What's going on, FA Nation? Last NASCAR DFS podcast of 2020. It's bittersweet, but it's been one hell of a long year. I'm Dan Malin. I am joined by the two-time champion. Hopefully, when we start this podcast back up in February, it's the three-time FSWA Writer of the Year for NASCAR, Matt Sells. Matt, how are you feeling heading into this last weekend of the NASCAR season? I can't believe that we actually got this thing, that this race is happening on time, on schedule. Like, when we went on hiatus for 10 weeks there in uh, in March, I had uh, pretty, pretty decent thoughts that we were not going to, A, finish the full season, or B, that the championship would happen on time. But here <clears throat> we are, happening on time, the... Uh, at the scheduled track, didn't have to move any of the playoff races. So, how we got to the championship four is another story. Um, as you and I and uh, a couple other people on Twitter had a uh, hefty debate going after the Martinsville race um, about this about this format. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. We got a triple header weekend here with trucks and Xfinity and uh, Cup. So. Pretty good way to finish off the uh, season, and we'll be back in a couple short months. I was actually doing the math, and we're actually going to be back 13 weeks from tonight, like 91 days. It's yes, it's like they call it they the call shortest it, off season of any major sport. It absolutely is. Like I was actually, I was a little bit relieved because, like this is this is a pretty busy year for fantasy alarm. Like a ton of NFL content coming out daily. So if if you're and if if you work for Fantasy Alarm, you know odds are you're working multiple sports. Um, you know around this year I'm doing NFL, NASCAR, MMA. In September I'm doing NFL, NASCAR, MMA, and MLB. So you as yourself short, you did you did The Bachelor too, right? Well, I did MTV's The Challenge back <laughs> in like May. Um, I have not done any Bachelor coverage. I watched the show, as embarrassing as that is to admit, but I don't like do any DFS coverage. So, like, it is it is bittersweet because I know when we get to this point in the year, and I'm like, you know, it is kind of nice to have a few weeks off. But I know, like, in, in, like, next Thursday, next Friday, when it comes around, I'm itching for a race to play a little DFS on. But uh, it's the last weekend of the year. We We have a full slate lined up. Um, and for the last podcast of the year, we'll, we'll bring him on. Uh, we know that everybody loves when we have Ed Rouse on for these podcasts, he, he brings a different kind of energy to it. So Ed say hi, we're at Phoenix. It's the championship race. We brought you on cause we wanted to go out with a bang. Hello everybody. Thanks for having me on the, the wait. It's not the championship guys. It's the season finale. It's a sitcom. It's the season finale. <laughs> yep. Not the championship. That, yeah. The, the, I mean, the, the race that, name is Season Finale 500, which, by the way, stands for kilometers. So we're ending <laughs> on an odd note. I again. heard that 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 Bush Beer was going to be the, the actual sponsor, but they dropped out after Harvick dropped out last week. So <laughs> now it's just the season finale. That's what we get. It's like the last episode of true? Friends. No, or I just I made just, that up. I don't know. <laughs> Why not? I mean, why else would it be called the season finale? What a what a terrible way to end it with a name like season finale. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, it's not the greatest name. No, not so much. But, but hopefully, Matt, it's like, a better race than a name. Yeah. So you and I actually got into a pretty spirited debate on Twitter yes. because 
I actually, and, and I, I'll acknowledge that Matt and I got into a, a spirited debate with uh, another DFS tout, Ryan Larkin. And I kind of sided with Ryan because I, I do believe that Kevin Harvick, regardless of how he looked in the last six to eight races, I felt that he was just so dominant in the regular season that he just deserved to be in the final four. And I get it all the time. The best team doesn't always win. The best team doesn't always make the Super Bowl or the World Series or the NBA championship, Stanley Cup. But when two guys throughout the entire year, Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick, are just dominating the regular season, when we came back from the COVID hiatus, it just seemed like for the longest time, every other weekend, it was just Harvick and Hamlin winning. To me, that just says, like, you have two guys that have won over half the races this year, essentially. They should both be in the final four. And the fact that one of them gets left off irks me a little bit. Well, so my point of view on this was it's twofold. One, yes, Harvick dominated for much of the year. He leads in wins. He leads in top fives. He leads in laps led. He, he'll he set an all-time record for laps finished, as in he's finished – uh, on the lead lap in every race, um, he the only he's only not been on the lead lap for three laps this season at the end of a race. Okay, that's going to be an all time record in NASCAR history. He led the most laps this year. Yes, he has been the best driver. However, if you look at the playoffs, specifically the last six races of the playoffs. He failed to finish inside the top 10 in all but one of those races. In the last uh, two or three races, he picked up just one total stage point. He only won seven stages this year. If he wins two more stages, he's in the, he's in the playoff over Denny Hamlin or Brad Keselowski. So, yes, I get that... There's frustration because a guy who won nine wins doesn't have a shot at going for a championship, even though he's the regular season winner. My other point was that this kind of thing has happened in every system they have put forward in NASCAR. It has happened in point systems. It has happened in early playoff systems without stages. It has happened in the redone playoffs before they had the stages. And it's happened now in the playoffs with the stages. Does it stink? Yeah, but it happens, and there's basically no way around it. And for those of you saying, we'll just go back to a straight-up point system, okay, Dale Earnhardt, Jr., Dale Earnhardt Sr. won like nine races in a season or ten races in a season and wasn't the champion that year. Bill Elliott famously in 19, I believe, 85, won 11 times and lost to a guy who had three wins because that guy had two more top fives and three more top tens over the course of 28 races. So, you know, it happens in every format. I get it. It comes down to the fact that Kevin Horvick, and he admitted it after Martinsville, that they did not show up when they needed to show up. If he had had a, if he had avoided hitting the wall at Texas, which like 38 other guys avoided doing even in the rain, he gets a better finish that probably puts him in there. If the car that they apparently spent two weeks researching on how to set up for Martinsville. Didn't that's like literally the worst car he's had at Martinsville in like a decade. 
if that car picks up two extra spots on the track, he's in the playoffs. Would you so, say it's worse than the car he had where the battery almost died? That one he finished 15th. This one he needed to try to spin out Kyle Busch to get a spot on the last it lap. So, yeah. Work. <laughs> yeah, I would say that, that, that this weekend's car was was consistently worse. Because that one at least stayed in the top 10 until the battery died like with two laps to go. And then he just faded because the battery died. This one never had a shot of being a top 10 car. So I get the frustration and I get that, you know, people saying, well, if you win the regular season, you should automatically be put in the playoff or the the championship four. I disagree with that. I know that this is not like any other sport, but that would be equivalent to, I don't know, the Dodgers uh, had a 700 win percentage this year and they automatically go up two games to none in the NLCS without ever having to play anybody that could potentially beat them if they don't show up. It's the playoffs. You have to show up when it matters, and he didn't show up. Go ahead, Ed. I kind of think it's worse than that because look at it like this. The Dodgers, right, they could have a 750 win percentage. They automatically go. But once the playoffs start in, in, in any other sports, record's out the window. You're playing a series. The points carry into the playoffs. He had the points. Right. He just in the words of Charles Barkley, he was just terrible. If he was terrible in the playoffs. Yeah, on that on that note, in the in the playoffs, in actual physical NASCAR points per race, Chase Elliott beat him by six points per race. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean the he had a monstrous he had seven stage wins, that's seven playoff points. He had seven wins in the regular season because he won twice in the playoffs. That's five playoff points per win. That's 35 points plus another two through the playoffs, which carried him to the next round. Then you get 15 points for being the regular season champ that nobody else gets. You get some other bonus points as well. So he had a massive, I mean, to the point that everybody on the NBC broadcast for the Martinsville race, including Dale, Dale Jr., Jeff Burton, <clears throat> Steve Letart, the guys in studio, Dale Jarrett, and everybody else were like, there is no way Kevin Harvick sucks so bad he could give away a 41-point lead in that race. Exactly, and he did. And he did. So He choked. Straight up. That was format, basically, am format, I saying? He knew going into it, too, what the format was when the right. when the season started. Like It wasn't like this is a surprise new format. He, he choked. He choked. Well, here's the problem that I have with it is that, you know, we other teams in team sports, they, they build the record through head-to-head contests. So I know the St. Louis Cardinals, within the last 12 years, they, they won the World Series, I want to say, oh, God. <sighs> Maybe 2011 or 2000. I think they no, won it I'll twice. Say, I'll say 2011. They may have won it with an 83-79 and 79 record. That's not very good in the regular season, but they got hot in the postseason. Okay, the Giants beat the undefeated Patriots. I understand that, but at the same time, it's like this isn't a sport where it's like one driver is competing against another racer. This is a driver that's competing against a full field to win a race, and he won a damn good amount of races. Like I don't like comparing NASCAR to other sports where it's that 
you know, like not every the the best team doesn't always win the championship. I was like, well, the best team is usually competing for the championship. Like if you're telling me that a guy is going to go out and win nine cup races and he's going to compete for a championship, but another guy can go out and win maybe three races. And I'm looking at Chase Elliott, maybe Brad Keselowski. But well, here's okay. So but it's I, like I get your argument, but it's not like a guy who hasn't won a race snuck into the championship for, right? If no, you, that's fair. It's not like stack up Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, and Kevin Harvick. They've won basically every race this season except for a handful of them. But the this four is also guys, those five guys. Of, this is also a system where Kyle Busch can break a leg and miss a good portion of the season and then still qualify for the playoffs. Yeah, simply because he wins a regular season race. Yeah. I like mean, Cole Custer won the rookie of the year because he won a race. Like Cole Custer's not the rookie of the year, in my opinion. Tyler Reddick was the best. The rookie of the year compared to the rookie of the year argument, I get. Yeah, but that's a different. Like that should come down. That's just like how flawed I think the whole system is. Well, okay, but hold on, because Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Brack is last. Custer led one lap, and he and he won the rookie of the year. And Kevin Harvick are all top five in wins, top fives, top tens, laps led, laps completed, fastest laps. Quality passes, top 15 rate, top 10 rate, average finish. Like, these, there's five guys that are clearly the best five drivers this year, and one of them did not make it. He choked. Like, I get I, it. it stinks because I'm not, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm really not arguing races. that like he choked. Like, he, he really didn't look good in the playoffs. I but I'm it. just saying, Lano it's my opinion. Races, but that if he, he looked so damn good in the regular season. Yes. That there should have been enough weighted points to just get him to the he, playoffs. And like well, even and, and, and if he points, wins though. two more stages, he's there. Oh yeah. yes. No, I totally agree. That's guaranteed. It's not a probably he's there. No, he no, no. I I, I spin out Kyle Bush. I'm not arguing that. But at the same time, like this is a guy. He he was the face of the sport. When there was nothing to watch, it was him and Hamlin. Like this was Cisco. This was Cindric okay, and let Cisco me, for Xfinity. But let for me the flip the argument on its head. What happens if there's no COVID and Joey Logano goes on, keeps going on the tear? Joey Logano won two of the first four races. Well, practice well, stuff. hang on, because and, if, Clive, if and Kevin Harvick didn't look. Head, that applies to every driver though, because Brian Blaney had the fastest car. Yeah. When, when we were previewing the earlier season races, we kept saying. You know, Ryan Blaney is getting really bad luck, but yeah. he has the fastest car. So this could be easily be Ryan Blaney's season. Like Joey Logano right. earlier. The other thing I say, play with saying like that Joey Logano yeah. was stealing races. Yeah, the other thing I can say is Chase Elliott legitimately should have had four more wins, right? He wins at Bristol where he spins out Joey Logano on the final restart that Keselowski sneaks in. My right? argument isn't with Chase. Honestly, if I'm being honest, my argument is with Brad Keselowski. Brad Keselowski has four wins. He's got the third most amount of wins. But we also say, we also gave Brad Keselowski the benefit of the argument of like the, having the rabbit's foot because he as he essentially stole Bristol. There was another one where a caution came out and he pitted at the right time where he was still on the lead. La- he was still the leader on the yeah. lead lap. He could get his caution. And he eventually drove to victory. I can't think of that one off the top of my head because I'm a little buzzed. Uh, but like. I don't have an issue with Chase or Hamlin in the final four. I mostly have an issue with Kislowski. And and I'm a huge Kislowski guy for DFS, but I'm the one that's saying I would prefer Harvick over Kislowski. 
I think a lot of people would prefer Harvick over pick your choice of I mean there's plenty of people that don't like Chase that think he that think he got the break on that call at Martinsville when the pit guy went back and reestablished position by touching the wall and then coming back and saving the penalty that kept him well, starting P five okay. instead of P twenty one. I think it is too, but there are plenty of people that think Chase Elliott is NASCAR's golden boy and gets every call possible whenever it benefits Chase Elliott. All right, I okay? might agree with that. There like, are that's plenty a of people of that hate Denny Hamlin and would like to see him out in favor of Kevin Harvick. Nobody Denny likes Joey Logano. Def, Denny deserves including Joey Logano knowing he has no friends at the racetrack. Yeah, Joey Logano doesn't even like Joey Logano. And either. me and Ryan Larkin got into it a couple of weeks ago when Logano won Kansas punching his ticket. Because people were upset that was his first win in 30 races, and now he's going to be in the championship. But my point was, the guys had the second-best average finish behind Kevin Harvick the entire season. So he's been there. He just hasn't, like, won, but he's been there. So you got to reward consistency, and you got to reward winning. And when it comes down to it late in the season, the guys that were consistent are the ones that are there. Kevin Harvick had one top 10 finish in the last six races. The other four championship drivers had at least three. That's the difference. If Kevin Harvick gets one more top 10, he's in the championship. Can I just say no. my piece real quick about, yeah, about this whole playoff thing real quick? I agree with you to not compare it to other team sports because my thing is with team sports, like I said earlier, is that when it comes to the playoffs, your record's out the window. You're seated. It's you have to win now. Points carry over in NASCAR. He had a huge point lead because of everything he did all season long. Like, he earned those points to have a really clear path to make the championship. And what Matt is saying, and what I'm saying, too, is he just didn't do it when it mattered in the playoffs. He was he was he he just wasn't very good. It's like the Yankees, no, and, and, it's and like I, the Yankees putting up 19 runs in game three of the 2004 ALCS and then not getting don't, another win. Don't do that. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't do that. He, he's out of beer. Don't, don't do that to him. <laughs> no, because like, I've right. seen won that like, series. The, the, the problem is that like the, that's head to head. And like, yes, that, that's, that's a three. Yes, and this for... is head to head. No, but this is going like head, head, head to 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 head. This is like going head to like, you're going head to head. Okay. 35 other drivers in a race. Compare it it's with one-on-one. Compare it with hockey late in the regular season with the points. You're fighting six other teams for two playoff spots. We're fighting six other teams based on, like, head-to-head matchups throughout the entire season. That's These what you're are doing here. Stuff. This is no, – you You're not head-to-head head in, in races on a weekly hold basis. On. When it Racing came multiple drivers every week. When it came down to Martinsville, the only thing that mattered – was the five or six guys in position to fight for a spot. We knew going in that at least two guys were going to have to point their way in. So they're going head-to-head. That's why they had the point counter on the side of the screen the entire race. So they could show you in real time who's in, who's out, how many positions on a track they had to make up. Yes. Are there other cars in between them? Yeah. There are, and that makes it different than other sports because when the Lakers and the Heat play for the NBA championship, you don't have, uh, like, Blake Griffin showing up and blocking shots out of nowhere when he doesn't factor in the playoffs. I get that part. But the head-to-head part is what it is. 
you have to avoid some other people, but you're still going head to head with the other. Like it came down to Harvick and Kislowski and Hamlin in the last 25 laps of that race. One of them needed to make a pass. That's head to head. That's what it came down to is head to head to head. That's not head to head. If you're saying it's head to head to head. One extra head added in there, but I, <laughs> I, I, I have never, never heard so many heads in my life okay. from listening to you guys, especially Dan. I want to clip that out. Head to head to head to head to head to head to head. I mean, but it's just like <laughs> this. This isn't wins and losses like what we get with team sports, with the NFL and the NBA, the NHL and the MLB. Like, if you're telling me one guy is winning. Nine races where we don't get practice, we don't get qualifying. I'm thinking that's a. F- I'm not swearing, but that's a championship driver. And all yeah, the points carry over to the playoffs that he earned. Bill Elliott won 11 races out of 28 races and didn't win a title. There were no champion. There was no championship. It came down to points. Okay. He had to. That, he had to finish a, higher. Oh, man. He had to finish higher than. Daryl Waltrip to solidify a points lead, and he didn't do it. Kevin Harvick had to finish higher than Brad Keselowski or Denny <clears throat> Hamlin, and he didn't do it. Joked. I think we will. All I'm be- saying is, if you're going to get disagree. these results from any system that you have in place, you may as well make it the one that's the most entertaining for the fans, because that's what it comes down to. I'm not entertained as a fan, though. You were not, not entertained, entertained by trying to watch Kevin Harvick try to pass? I thought it was entertaining watching Kevin Harvick spin out Kyle Busch at the very end of the race, and then it didn't matter at all because Kyle righted his car. And it yeah, still it actually hurt spot. him. He actually he lost was... nine points in that exchange. <laughs> he actually hurt himself and didn't hurt Kyle at all. Kyle finished, I think, fifth or whatever in that race. Yeah, Kyle finished exactly where he was when he got spun out, which is pretty impressive, by the way. Also, we um, talk about Eric Jones following team orders and not passing oh, to Hamlin. Okay, we're 23 minutes into this podcast, and we have not even talked about the schedule and, this week. And we've said the word head at least 140 times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll agree to disagree. That was actually the most lively conversation we've had in two years of doing this podcast. We'll turn our attention begrudgingly to Martinsville. Matt, break down the schedule, uh, I guess, from a NASCAR and DFS perspective, because surprise, surprise, Matt's actually going to cover trucks this week. And the last time Matt covered trucks, we had a sub take down $1,000. I think I doubled my money in that race as well. So this yeah, might I don't actually... remember what track it was, though. <laughs> was it Pocono? No, I don't think it was Pocono. All right, that's just dead air. That's, bad for, that's bad for the podcast, but... We had a good night. Matt had a really quick, simple read on it. Matt's going to cover the Friday night race for Poc- uh, Phoenix. 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 Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, truck race is, I believe, 8 p.m. Eastern on Friday night at Phoenix for the championship. Uh, Xfinity is Saturday evening. I believe that's 5 p.m. Eastern. And then uh, we get Sunday Cup racing in the afternoon, actually, which is a little surprising because that'd be like... <laughs> Early for Phoenix, there. It's on like Sunday. noon Eastern time for them. Yeah. Uh, are they three hours or two hours behind now? Because they don't observe daylight savings. So, 
that, I don't know. It's earlier in Phoenix. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll be taking care of the track breakdown. Is out now. It's up on site. Um, you know everything you've grown accustomed to seeing is in there. Uh, DFS rankings for the cup will be out on Friday, probably Friday morning. DFS projections for cup will be out Friday afternoon. Uh, the truck playbook will likely be out Friday morning. Xfinity playbook, I believe, will be out what Saturday morning. Yes. Sorry. Yep. Xfinity, yeah, Saturday, Saturday morning. Uh, Cup playbook will be out Saturday afternoon, and best bets will be out Saturday afternoon for Cup. Um, probably add the monkey knife fight plays to that on Sunday because they keep changing the points on those things, like as I write them. So we'll just wait until Sunday. To get the best call possible for those. Is that kind of like a general reoccurring theme with Monkey Knife Fight? It's like, yeah, I mean, it's the values are always changing. So, Monkey Knife Fight is basically a prop bet site. So, they're going to move the numbers as they see fit to basically hedge their bets like any other, like Vegas book would move prop bets and over unders and spreads to hedge their bets and not take a beating if one guy absolutely hammers a line. So, if you go on there on Saturday and you find a friendly. Uh, you know, a, a friendly play for a guy you really like, I would lock that in. Because if you lock it in, it locks that line in. Mm-hmm. But as for my plays, I don't like to write them until they basically stop changing because otherwise I have to go back in and keep editing to make sure that, you know. Because if I tell you to take a guy over 13 and a half, but then they move it to 15 and a half, and I don't think it's going to get you over 15 and a half, then the over 13 and a half doesn't become, doesn't really help you. Um, and then example lineups on Sunday, uh, Dan or I will be in chat all weekend. You can also see that schedule pinned to my Twitter profile at the salesman. That's T H E S E L Z M A N. Um, and yeah, that'll do it for the final weekend of NASCAR for 2020. That makes me sad. You saying that. Well, Well, you really shouldn't be sad. Literally, Ed. The weekend after the Super Bowl, though. So you go yeah. right from Super Bowl right into NASCAR with the Daytona 500. So. And then Blaney has a chance to win it again. Well, not again, <laughs> but for the first time ever. But no, we'll be back in like 20 minutes with the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll uh, actually be back a week before that because we usually do one for the Clash. Uh, that's that's it, actually yeah. I think 91 days from today is when I think we'll be doing the Clash podcast, which is going to be a heinous DFS. It's going to suck. So doing you it want, on the road course with 19. If you want, yeah, if you want like a Clash an DFS track. podcast preview, it's going to suck. 18 cars on a road course. That's awful. Yeah, like a 3.6 mile. It's going to look like an F1 race. It's not going to be fun. <laughs> We're going to rock the cl- the cash bar, right, guys? Mm-hmm. That was a dad joke. Sorry. It was a dad joke. Cause <laughs> I appreciate dad jokes. Uh, all right. Let's, let's talk Phoenix. We were going to talk a little truck expand. I haven't even looked at either slate. So let's just talk a little cup to no surprise. The four championship drivers are starting in the top four. That's just how the playoffs roll. Uh, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano on the front row, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, uh, no surprise, we typically see the championship drivers priced up a little bit, especially on FanDuel. However, on DraftKings, we have Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex Jr. priced over the championship board drivers. 
Ed, Matt, I guess we'll start with Matt. Uh, what are the one to two championship drivers you are building around this weekend? So I'm definitely locking in Brad Keselowski. Um, he is bringing, he's already made it clear that he's bringing the same car with him that he drove at New Hampshire, AKA Loudon. And he brought that to Richmond. And if you remember, he flat out dominated both of those tracks. He was basically untouchable in all of those races. Uh, those also happen to be two very similar comparable tracks to Phoenix because Phoenix is a basically flat one mile kind of trioval, kind of funky shaped track. Um, so New Hampshire is a flat one mile and Richmond is a fairly flat three quarter of a mile kind of trioval track. So they're comparable. So Kislowski starting third is really intriguing to me. Uh, he also led 82 laps here in the February race. He started 14th, finished 82 laps in between there. And then from there, it gets a little tricky. Because you can point to any of those guys as having pretty solid histories at Phoenix. Denny Hamlin in a must-win situation at this race last year uh, won it, led 142 laps, and had like 99 fastest laps. Uh, Chase Elliott started on the pole in February, led, I think, 60-something laps, and then moved back a little bit. Um, and Joey Logano won that race in February. And looked pretty good. Now, granted, that was when they had practice going on so he could dial in his car. But if he keeps roughly the same setup, he's got to be feeling pretty good about that. So uh, my main lock for the championship four would be Kislowski from a DFS perspective. And then after that, I might take the shot on Logano because he's the cheapest of the four on DraftKings. And he's had the most time to prepare. And he also won at this track earlier this year. All right, Ed, how are you reading the championship for this weekend? I've already kind of spoken my piece about how I feel one guy got screwed out of this group. Well, if Kislowski wins, you're going to squirm a little bit then, right? Especially with him possibly being the favorite after Harvick got knocked out. Um, I look at him like he is kind of the favorite. Uh, like Matt said, his he has the same car that he won the two races before. He even tweeted about it, all proud of himself too. Thanks, Brad. Um, I am kind of building my lineups around Chase Elliott. I know pole sitters have been terrible this whole season. Um, since COVID hit, only Hamlin is the only pole sitter to win a race uh, out of all the races, which is crazy. So it's kind of t taking a risk there. But I'm liking the Golden Boy. Uh, NASCAR wants him to win. And I have a feeling that uh, he could pull this off uh, in this race. So he's actually my favorite. Of the four, uh, Logano, I mean, he's a te teammate of Ryan Blaney, you know, six degrees of Ryan Blaney, so is Keselowski. <laughs> I get it. So I don't like Logano. I mean, I kind of root for him. Nobody likes Logano. He's a Penske racer, but then I look at like Blaney will be in the lead and he'll like screw him over, but when then he's in the lead, Blaney hel helps him out. And I'm like, come on, man. It has to go both ways, bro. Come on, Logano. So I'm saying Elliot is my favorite and Keselowski, then Hamlin. Because Hamlin, you never know. Even though he hasn't looked good lately, and it took Eric Jones pretty much, you know, uh, puckering up a little bit, if you know what I mean, to uh, let him or to not pass him. Um, 
I think Chase Elliott's my favorite in 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 the four. And mm-hmm. and I have no backing behind that. It's just I test what I've seen the last couple of races. Chase There's Elliott's nothing wrong with the eyeball test. Has That's how I looked like the best car in NASCAR for like the last yeah. four or five weeks. Nothing wrong with the eyeball test. And he I flat think. out dominated at Martinsville last week. So yeah. In an absolute must-win situation, that guy showed up. So, now Sorry. to be clear, for those that are new to NASCAR, to win the championship, you do not have to win the race. You simply have to finish higher than the other three championship drivers. Now, in the last nine years, I believe maybe it's going on ten years, the driver to win the championship has won the championship race because the guy that finished second was also in the championship four. So while you don't actually have to win the race to win the championship, it's happened to be the case that each of the last nine years, I believe the winner of the race won the championship. It's eight of the last nine. Eight of the last nine. All right. So if we're talking roster construction, do you guys, I just dropped my earpiece. Do you guys think though, Go points ahead. do not matter. Points are out Correct. off the table. Yeah, they're out the window. It's, well, yeah. okay, but stage points win for everybody but the championship four so they can sort out end-of-the-year standings. But for the championship four, stage points don't matter, and actual, like, you know, the rest of it all doesn't matter. It just comes down to where you're running on the track when the last lap happens. So in terms of roster construction, are you guys basically trying to fit at least two championship drivers into every lineup you have i generally do that yeah um fanduel switched it up a little bit this year because they used to price them all exactly the same price Hmm. um but they've made them now on fanduel they are still the most expensive drivers of all the times for fanduel to make Um, a change yeah fanduel changed it this year no i love fanduel um (laughs) jeslowski's 13.5 on fanduel logano's 13,000. Hamlin's 13 and Chase Elliott's 12.5. So it's kind of interesting to see Chase is the cheapest, but he's also the only one on the championship four that doesn't have a top five finish at Phoenix yet. Um, so yeah, I'm typically going with two championship four drivers, although this year it is a little different as well because normally they run normal qualifying. So you don't have the championship four guys always starting up in the top four. They, they, tend to block off some spots for them so they can't start worse than a certain spot. But, like, um, this year with the way they changed it, they're all starting in the top four. So PD isn't really going to be a big factor for them. It's going to come down to laps led for them. Um, Four of the last five Phoenix races have seen at least one driver lead more than 100 laps um, and at least one driver lead 73. There's one race where... A driver led more than 100 laps, and the next closest was like 50. And then in the February race here, it was pretty evenly split, where um, four drivers led between 60 and 80 and 93 laps uh, in that race. So, um, so yeah, it's basically going to come down to a laps led thing for dominator points out of 312 laps, and then the rest of them we're going to fill in with some with some guys that can pass and move up through the field. All right, we'll head on to the remainder of the field. Plenty of drivers still in play. 
next row is Ryan Blaney at 9,800 on DraftKings, 11,000 on FanDuel. Alex Bowman, 9,000 on DraftKings, $10,000 on FanDuel. We typically don't see great position differential from either of these two drivers at Phoenix, but however, Ryan Blaney, this was one of the tracks where he got off to a very hard, hot start earlier in the year, just didn't have the finish that we were expecting. Matt, I'll let you elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he led some laps in that race. He's been very good at leading laps here at Phoenix in his career, and then something tends to not go right for him for whatever reason. Um, whether it be he crashes out or he gets, you know, trapped down, um, you know, bad pit position, whatever it is, it just, it's kind of a snake bite track for him. Uh, but he will lead some, he has a history of leading laps here, um, and running pretty cool and pretty, uh, fast lap times. So he's in play. Um, Alex Bowman is a guy I'm fully fading this week. I have basically zero confidence in Alex Bowman this week. I know he's looked pretty good throughout the playoffs, but Bowman the showman tends to not show up at his home track. He is from Tucson, Arizona. Uh, He's got one top 20 in the last four cup races here. He tends to go backwards about 17 spots a race. And in the last five races here at his $9,000 price tag on DraftKings, he's averaged a 0.7x value. Not good. <laughs> that's that's not good. I'm not going to go on a fan duels value. Isn't great either, but... said that's terrible. It's yeah, terrible. terrible. Um, so, yeah, I'm tending to avoid Alex Bowman in case you're wondering. He started eighth here in February, finished 14th, had three fastest laps. That's good for 25 and a half points, and he was 9300 bucks. Not the best way to spend 9300 bucks. What if we were looking at um, drivers that kind of came in with a little momentum? I know maybe Martinsville wasn't his best race. Um, I mean, for Bowman, he still finished sixth. But, I mean, we're looking at Texas. He finished fifth. Kansas, he finished third. Charlotte Roble, he finished eighth. I mean, this is a guy who has been rattling off pretty good finishes, though. Yeah, he has been, but you, I mean. I like, he's been the opposite. If we're talking about the anti-Kevin Harvick. He's he's actually been pulling off pretty good results over the last few months. Yeah, he still ranks number one in average finish in the last five races. Uh, he's got, like, four top tens in that span. Um, but most of those, he's actually run pretty decently at those tracks previously. Uh Phoenix is one where he just still doesn't. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Phoenix. The first time he filled in for Dale Earnhardt Jr. at Phoenix, he went out and led a bunch of laps, and then he had a tire go down and he crashed. And then since then, it's just not been good for him. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's going to drop way back there. He could still get you a top 10, but if he falls to 10th and doesn't lead laps and doesn't really get fastest laps, then what are you paying for? I don't know, man. I'm feel, I'm really feeling Alex Bowman this weekend. Ed, you got any thoughts? Or should we just move on to you for the uh, the Bush Row? Well, I, I mean, I need to talk about Ryan Blaney, right? I mean, 
Yeah, we can't shut him out of Blaney. I yeah, was yeah. I was trying to to see if I could just like get him to go one podcast. He's the president of the Fresno Blaney. <laughs> Ryan Blaney Fair. fan club. Yeah. Ryan well, Blaney. Ryan Blaney is actually in a very interesting spot here because if you don't listen to Glass Case of Emotion, his podcast, you should do. by the way. Yeah, and every week the uh, Fresno uh, chapter of the Ryan Blaney fan club, aka me and my daughter, watch <laughs> the podcast. And um, he's in a hard place here because he has two teammates and his best friend, his bestie, uh, ahead of him going for a championship. So it's going to be interesting to see how he drives this weekend because, A, he's great at this course. He, he has a good history here in Phoenix. And his car is fast. And it looked fast last week in Martinsville as well. So who is he going to help? Is he going to help Keselowski, who hurt Logano, who we don't even know if he likes him because no one likes him, or his best friend Chase Elliott? So the, you got to think about that. Behind those four, three of them have a teammate or a friend right behind them helping them with this race. So that could be interesting. I think Blaney stays up in the top five or six, probably the whole race. Um, and probably, probably, well, not the whole, I mean, all the way through, but by the time it ends. I think he's a good play. Let's put it that way. Alex Bowman, 9,000. I like the next row with Kurt better. Yeah, so go you on. Go you can elaborate on the Kylan Kurt, Kurt Busch row. Yeah, the the brothers row. Uh, no relation to to the beer I found out, which is crazy. Uh, but I'm still trying to find Bush beer here in California. But uh, <laughs> did you ever hear though that uh, Kevin Harvick once got tired of endorsing Bush uh, because he felt it was a free advertisement for Kurt and Kyle that uh, Bush beer once put Harvick light on the hood yep. of his car. I thought that's why they made that Apple one. No. The, the apple bush? I thought that's why they did that. <laughs> no, they just decided that was going to sound like a good flavor, and they made it. But no, they put oh, Harvick okay. Light on on Harvick's car. They changed Bush brand to Harvick for a race weekend because he got tired of it. Free Harvick, Harvick Light. That should be his nickname for his playoffs <laughs> run this year. Oh! Uh, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch. Uh, like this, <laughs> this row a lot. Like Kurt for 8,800, and like Kyle, too. Uh, Kyle is actually one of my favorite drivers. He's still kind of, e even though he won two weeks ago in the longest race ever in the history of races, um, he still wants to win, and he's in a good spot to say, hey, it could be my spotlight still, too. Um, you know, four top five finishes in the last four races at Phoenix. Yeah, 1.8 average finish for Kyle Busch in the last good four races. Kyle Bush By the way, in the last eight races in Phoenix, his average finish is 2.6. Yep. I think uh, Kyle there at 9,600 is a, is a good play for an extra 600 over Alex Bowman. Yep. Um, there in the 88. By the way, Swan Song, a lot of racers losing their car number or retiring in this race. So Swan Song is kind of a, a very important thing to say, Bowman being one of them. Will he race well, he's hard? Upgrading to to forty eight. So yeah, but it, but like it, it it's his last time in the eighty eight. You got to think maybe there's a little bit of extra push in there. I'm trying to give Dan something. Come on now, <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Matt, what's your read on the uh, Kyle and Kurt row? Um, I very much am in favor of playing Kyle Busch in ninety six hundred on DK. I think that's a misprice. I get he's out of the playoffs. I feel like anytime we get Kyle Busch under 10K, it's a smash. Yeah. I mean, in the last, I mean, his stats are just straight up ridiculous here. In the last 
eight races, he's got seven top fives and an average finish of 2.6. Like, that's just nuts. Uh, and by the way, he's moved up about five and a half spots a race, too, to pull that off, which, you know, coincidentally enough, fits with where he's starting on Sunday. Um, Kurt Busch is okay. Like you like to say, Danny's sexy but doesn't have teeth. Um, you know, he's all right. I think he's about he's going to finish about where he starts. Wait, I said he's what? You like to say he's what do you describe Kurt Busch as? He's it's not sexy, but he's got teeth. There you go. You he's said not he was sexy. I flipped Just don't home. smile, Kurt. Just don't <laughs> smile. Yeah, he's from West Virginia, not Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> sorry for those folks living in West Virginia. I'm from Virginia. I can make that joke. Um, so, yeah, I'll definitely go Kyle Busch in this row. I think that's a no-brainer if you pick. I wouldn't even be upset if you just stacked one of the championship four and Kyle Busch. I think that's a pretty loaded top of the vault of the lineup like there. To, I feel like I do feel like if you want to go contrarian, try to identify the laps led dominator yeah. and the winner of the championship four and then just load up on PD guys. I feel yeah. like that's pretty good a pretty intriguing GPP approach this weekend. Yeah. Like, uh completely agree. And uh yeah, that's about all I gotta say about Kyle Bush there. The next right. row is pretty intriguing, though. I think it's full of two contrarian plays. Uh, next row, Matt, I'll let you just carry it away since you already preluded to it. Clint Boyer, 7,900. Sub 8K for either of these next two guys is prime. Uh, Clint Boyer, 7,900 on DraftKings. Eric Almarola, 7,800. Really good average finish here for both guys. A little bit of PD, but then they both have sh- the top five upside that we love who are you really liking the more out of out of this pairing i kind of favor al marola i think everyone's buying into the the narrative the swan song narrative for clint boyer but i feel like al marola is flying under the radar it's been a really good car for al marola uh the double a battery this this whole year really and so i feel like if al marola's ownership is going to be light i kind of want exposure to that yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, both of these guys, I think, are going to go overlooked because of where they're starting. They're starting a bit higher than we typically like to see them. But Almarola here has three top tens in the last four races. He tends to hold his position pretty well. Started sixth here in uh, February, finished eighth. Pretty decent day, 35 points. Just about hits value for him at his price tag. Um, he had a pretty decent run here. Um, you know, a couple of races ago, Clint Boyer started 13th and finished eighth in this race last year. And then in this race in the, in February of this year, started 18th and finished fifth for his first top five here. So in his last race, we're talking about a guy who's finished in the top 10 twice in the last two races here. Um, he's starting a bit higher than we tend to see Clint Boyer. Um, and he's sandwiched between Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick, which is likely to take a lot more attention away. So for two guys that don't necessarily have to do much but hold their spots to hit value, I think they're they're pretty solid contrarian plays. Ed, how are you feeling about this line? Uh, not necessarily the uh, AARP line, but this is the AARP spot for one driver at least. I think if this race, and you know, like you have those pictures, most likely to tweet while racing in this race, 
I think Clint, Clint Boyer, Boyer would picture would be right there. Um, <laughs> you can say that about Clint Boyer every time he's in a race car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So except um, for Bristol, I I'm personally not on Clint Boyer. I think he's kind of already kind of over. He's already, cracked, he's already cracked a beer, looking forward to being and, in the book. And is the Kansas City Chiefs game on during this race? Because then he's definitely out. Um, <laughs> well, that's a good. That's a good question. Are they playing Carolina at one Eastern? Yeah. <laughs> if it's it in the fourth quarter, it's over. Yeah, it's, he's he's not gonna race. But uh, Eric Amarola, I think, is a great play. Seven eight hundred. He has uh, great success here. Uh, that price is just way too cheap uh, for him. Where where he's sitting? Uh, what two top fives in the last four? Top ten, I, I believe. Two. Um, I like Amarola, Clint Boyer. I'm I'm kind of off, which may hurt me. But I mean, come on, that he's. His foot's halfway out the door, and his microphone's already on. So, And of any driver who has at least two races run here in the last four races, Eric Amarola has the most quality passes per race at 44 and a half. Yo, those QPs, baby. I love it. So he can pass guys running in the top 15 under green flag mm-hmm. conditions pretty well. Um, and, by the way, in terms of Dan mentioned earlier, talking about a guy who has some momentum coming in in Alex Bowman, Amarola and Boyer haven't exactly had race recently, so that might also keep people off of them. But again, this is a track that favors them. Past ones were not necessarily their best tracks. And so, I mean, Amarola really just has to move up like two spots to get value. I'm, so. I'm, I'm plugging Amarola in right now in my lineups because I didn't have him in any. Now I am. Thanks, Matt. Yep. All right. <laughs> we will move on to the next line. Mr. Piss. Kevin, Kevin Harvick, 11,100 on DraftKings versus Matt Benedetto 7,600. If there was ever a time for Kevin Harvick to shove it down the throats of the naysayers like Matthew Sells and anyone else. I, I'm not a naysayer. I know I'm you aren't. That's why I'm I, not saying he didn't deserve I had, it. I'm saying I had he that, didn't show up when he counted. Yeah. That's why I had that awkward pause after Matthew sells because I <laughs> genuinely couldn't think of anyone else. Uh, but what, what, typically when we get to these championship four races, it's like usually the guy that wins the race is usually in the championship four. Right. Um, however, what are the odds that maybe Harvick goes out there, steals the show, shoves it down everyone's throat, has the right setup and says, you know what? You can award the championship to someone else, but I'm getting my 10th win at Phoenix. Oh, I think that's entirely possible, including the fact that either, I think it was Jeff Gluck that tweeted this, Denny Hamlin has apparently been talking to Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers, Kevin Harvick's crew chief, multiple times this week about how Harvick got a raw deal. Like, what are you doing? Why are you... (laughs) That's just Hamlin trying to save face. Why are you instigating crap? Like, Harvick's already pissed. By the way, the last time he won here, this was the the rear window one. The win after he got docked for having a cheating rear window, and then he won at Phoenix and dominated, and then pointed to his rear window like, hey, man, I didn't need that one to... Um, Yeah, I think we're going to get a pissed Kevin Harvick who really wants to win a guy who has a lot of success at Phoenix. He's basically, if Atlanta is considered his best track, then Phoenix is 1B because he's been that good at Phoenix. I think he's got like nine wins 
at the track, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's been really, really good here. His position differential is about the best we're going to see all season, which is why he's also 11-1 on DK. Um, I'm not paying a lot of attention to Matt Benedetto this week. I'm really not. There's not really a narrative. Yeah, going. He's I'm with back you there. in the 21 car. This has not typically been a great track for him. Even if he has a decent day, it's kind of hard for him to hit value based on who's yep. starting around him and behind him and in front of him. So, um, yeah, we're going to go with the angry Kevin Harvick. All right. Uh, Ed, next row. Martin Truex Jr., 11,400 outside the uh, championship picture. Next to his current teammate for the last time, I suppose, Eric Jones, 8,600 on DraftKings. Not the greatest position differential here. However, I guess you could say we've seen Eric Jones come to life the last few races. Um, This doesn't necessarily strike me as a track that MTJ has dominated at either we usually see love to see him at martinsville or short tracks or mile and a half this is just one of those wonky tracks that kind of falls in between eric jones in his own right uh not the greatest finish history the last few races after rolling off like five of six top 10 finishes between the roval and uh darlington how do you read this row truex and jones a couple of uh jgr drivers well, first of all, <laughs> you know when I say first of all, it's going to get good. Uh, what are the FanDuel and DraftKings doing Martin Truex Jr. being like on DraftKings the most expensive driver? This is this this is a dominator points type of race. I know Martin Truex Jr. has a fast car. Not the best track for him, but 11-4 where he's at. I mean, are you really going to pay for him at the at that spot, I, I don't see. That's know. what I like to hear. I like to see somebody that says, so "Like, you know what? No, <laughs> we don't pay for a guy at this price tag." Just because they're, it's almost like they're baiting you. It's like bait. Like, oh, he's gonna get, yeah. he's gonna end up in the top. You have don't to pay it. this. I, that it's crap. I'm not even bothering with any of them because Eric Jones, by the way, what a pushover! Really, come on. Dude. Yeah, why are you following team instructions on a team you're not even gonna? Be I know on? it has nothing to do with. DFS, but if he's like that with his last year on the 20 swan song, then why do I even want to pay money for you? You're just going to push over again? or It's like, eh, just, I'm not. I'm off of this row completely, 100%, and Martin Truex, 11-4. Like I said it before, I'll say it again, you are high on DraftKings <laughs> if you pay for him. Yeah, at 11-4, he's going to hit, what, 57 points yeah. for 5X? Yeah, I so will stupid. lay... I, I will lay this out. Uh-oh. I will lay this out there. In this race last year, the fall Phoenix race last year, Truex started fourth, finished sixth, 44 fastest laps, which was good for 58 points. Okay, but that wasn't a championship race with a top no, four pushing for a ch- <laughs> Yeah, It was the penultimate race. I don't know. He had Cole Pern. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm, bearded, just, I'm not saying the bearded. I'm, no, the bearded I, I, I know. I, know. Is a fade. I, I don't I'm really not, want to. I'm holes. not saying I'm in favor of his price. Right, right, right. It's still going to. He can't just move up and get you value. That's yeah. not going to happen. He's going to have to finish like, I don't know, P2 to get value. 
if he just moves up. And he has a pistol Harvick Light in front of him. It's like P5 and maybe return value. Because if well, he's where is he starting? The, uh, what? Uh, 13th? Is he starting 13th? 13th, yeah. Okay, so if he's starting 13th, we're going to do some quick math here on the air if y'all don't mind. If he's starting 13th, that's 31 DK points from the finished position. So he needs another 26 points to hit. He's starting, yeah, 13th. Sorry. That's not going to win you $500,000, Matt. No, if he he moves (laughs) up to P2, that's 42 for finished position plus 11 for the PD, that ain't going to get you there. That's going to get you to 53 points. He needs fastest laps or laps led. Or he straight up needs to win and only lead the last lap. He could do it that way. But the odds of that happening are pretty slim when he's not going for a championship. Well, you know, speaking of that narrative, there is a driver in the next row who has led the last lap en route to a championship. Uh, (laughs) Cole Custer... Uh, at 6,900, nice. Uh, next to Matt Kenseth, 6,700. I don't get the price tag on Kenseth. Uh, I, w- I was much more in love with him the last few weeks. Go figure. I played him the two weeks that he would go out and get you negative points on DraftKings. I did not play him last week when he would go out and get you 40-plus points. Uh, next row is Custer versus Matt Kenseth. I love the price for Custer. I love I feel like this is a guy that you want to get into your GPP lineups. Screw Kansas. I don't want Agreed. anything. Agreed. I'm with you. Cole Custer finished ninth. I don't want to call a swan song for Kansas. Well, I mean, okay. He's swan had a song part duh. <laughs> yeah, it's swan song part duh. <laughs> part duh. Um, yeah, Cole Custer finished ninth here. Um in the February race, moved up seven spots to do that. He's also had four top ten finishes in his last four Xfinity races here. Um, so this is a track that fits his driving style. He tends to like the car a little loose, not as loose as Tyler Reddick does, but he does like it a little bit loose. Helps him out there. I think his starting spot will keep some people off of him because they're not gonna they're not gonna pay attention to Cole Custer starting in the mid teens which I think you absolutely should because he really only has to move up to, I think, P12 to hit value, which should be within his ability. He's also, by the way, for those paying attention to uh, momentum, he's been he's been pretty decent here the last five races. He's got four top 15 finishes the last five races this season, so... Yeah, his last um, five races at Phoenix at the Xfinity level, he had an average finish of around sixth. Right. And he finished ninth in his first cup race. So I really do like Cole Custer, Matt Kenseth, for what it's worth. I think his last cup win came at Phoenix like three years ago. <laughs> uh, back when don't he was back one when song part one. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me that. <laughs> um I swear to God, if a GPP wins with Matt Kenseth in the lineup, it's going to be... <laughs> and Truex. They're going to stack Truex and Kenseth and win the whole thing. Watch. Yeah, that would be the most 2020 thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, he did, you know... It is what it is. I'm more on Custer than Kenseth this week, for sure. No, I can't blame you. Uh, Ed, let's go to the next row, unless you have comments on the last I row. I agree 100%. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, Christopher Bell, 7,300. Austin Dillon, 7,400. Dillon has been a surprise if we're just looking solely at his no first practice. five races of playoffs. 
Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he outperformed Harvick. Yeah, sure. But if we're looking at a guy who has just really, uh, I guess, played above his average or, you know, yeah, shot and shot exceeded expectations. Uh, if we're looking at a guy who has done well without qualifying practice, Austin Dillon's done pretty well. Not necessarily saying he's a he's a good Phoenix driver by any means, but Ed, is there anybody in this row between Bell and Dylan that you may want to target? I mean, okay, from a DFS perspective, if you're gonna pay for Bell or Dylan, you should probably go up to Custer, just or down to Custer. He's only right. nine hundred. You're looking at seventy three, seventy four. Again, like I say this all the time, this row is like the Spider Man meme looking into each other, Bell and and Dylan's like, which one do you choose? Like pointing at each other, like the they're, they're the same type of person here. Uh, Dylan does have a top ten in his last four. I guess I'll give him that. But overall, the, uh, the track history here is not very good for either of them. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do, you want to, do we just want to skip this row? We're moving on. Sorry, yeah, guys. Moving. Sorry, Bell and Dylan. Uh, next row is Ryan Newman, sixty-five hundred first. Next to Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 6,200. And I kind of want to throw this one to you just to get your quick analysis on Stenhouse. <laughs> it's going to be very quick. That's right. <laughs> well, and you know what? Props to my boy, RSJ, as I call him now, because he actually finished a race. <laughs> Woo! Congratulations. He did actually look decent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, you know, one out of every eight is not a good... <laughs> Not Even good. blind <laughs> squirrels find a nut every <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 6,200. You can play him if you want. Play him if you wish. But when he crashes in the fifth lap, uh, don't come tweeting at me. Uh, I'm a no on that. Newman, though, is a little intriguing to me for his price at 6,500. He does have some top 15 finishes in this last four here. Uh, or three, sorry. But, um, I mean, so Newman actually I think could be kind of a sleeper in a GPP at 6,500, just to throw in there with some of the top guys, especially if you're stacking two of the, the final four. But Stenhouse, of course, as always, I'm going to say, no way. Matt, how are you reading this, row? We're, we're entering the field where we're getting to a lot of questionable drivers. How do you read the Austin Dillon, Ryan Newman line? Um, well, I'm basically off of RSJ. Um, if he burns me, he burns me. But that's basically been my motto with Stenhouse for a while now. Um, Newman, though, I'm definitely intrigued by Newman. Um, Sixty-five hundred bucks. I like that price better on DK than I do on Fanduel at seventy-eight hundred. I don't think that's reasonable. Um, but he's got a few top fifteens. He's starting nineteenth, so you know, again, if he holds his position, doesn't really have to do very much. He's got an average. Position differential about six here in the last four races. So, doesn't have to do much, but he can move up a few spots. Um, and I think one of his last wins actually came here as well with, like, a very the late race pit call where they basically stayed out and he held everybody off for the last six or <clears> seven <throat> laps with really old tires. But that's clearly not going to happen this week. So... Uh, Newman's intriguing, not playing Stenhouse. Uh, the next line, though, is very intriguing for me. All right, we'll move on to the next row. Uh, intriguing for everybody involved. Uh, a couple ties here. Uh, Tyler Reddick, 8,100. 
Uh, Ty Dillon, 6,000 on DraftKings. Tyler Reddick is somebody that we were talking about before we started recording this podcast. Uh, kind of in love with the pedigree here. Um, we'll talk about the last few cup races because, I mean, he finished third here in both uh, in last year's fall race at Xfinity, at Xfinity. Finished third in March 2019 at Xfinity. Top 10 in the last, in many stages of the Xfinity level. This is a, a track that he can run pretty well at. I think he's, the price is where he's starting. Um, I don't think you're necessarily reaching for value here. I think he can easily hit it. Uh, he didn't perform well here at the cup level, but at the same time, this is a this is a guy who was coming up from Xfinity to the cup level, and this was one of the earlier tracks on the schedule. I feel like with a full season under his belt, even without practice qualifying, this is a track that he can still perform well late in the season. Matt? Yeah, and this is a guy that, I hate to keep harping on this, but I think if you just look at the surface numbers, people are going to overlook him. They're mm-hmm. going to go, why am I paying $8,100 for a guy who finished 33rd in the February race here and started 29th? And, by the way, I'm pretty sure he's also, yes, he's $1,200 more expensive on DraftKings this time around and $900 more expensive on FanDuel this time around than he was in February. So if you're looking at that and you're going, geez, he shot up in price and he finished worse than where he started, why am I going to pay for him? Well, here's the thing. Halfway through that race, he was up to fifth. He was running really, really well in that race in February if you actually watch the race and pay attention. Tyler Reddick had a tire go down, he got into the wall, and that ended his day. But before that, he was really impressive, and this track fits his driving style. He's got pretty good history here in Xfinity. That Dan just outlined. So, yeah, he's a tad more expensive than I'd like to see, but he's starting outside the top 20, and he's a guy that can finish inside the top 10 if he can avoid touching the wall. I'll pay for that all all the time. Ty Dillon, this guy's been real good here. He's got four top 20s in the last four races. Two of them are top 15s. Uh, He moves up about eight spots a race, and in seven career cup races at this track, Six of them have been top 20 finishes with almost seven spots a race. So that's, that's exactly what really we're looking for at from 6, Ty Dillon at 6,000. Also, by the way, he's got some, some uh, you know, he's a brand new dad. He and his wife had that, a, that dad strength. had a baby uh, on, I believe, Thursday. I think Jimmy Johnson flew Ty Dillon home from... Uh, Texas, so he could get back in time to be there for the birth of his child, and then he went to Martinsville and had a pretty dang good Martinsville race. Um, we've seen Austin Dillon win a race after his son was born to Texas. We saw dad strength happen in 2020 this year when Mike Trout went on a flipping tear after his son was born in baseball. So we're going with the dad strength narrative. Also, it's a real good track for Ty Dillon and a real cheap price. All right, Ed, you got anything more to add, or you just want to move on to the next row? I'm all in on both. Okay. Uh, next row is Bubba Wallace, 7,000. Ryan Priest, 5,800. Ed thought that Bubba Wallace was William Wallace Jr. That is not the case. Well, no, it, it is. It is. It is the case. It's William Daryl Bubble. Bu- bubble. Well, William Daryl Bubba Wallace Jr. Say that five times fast. William Daryl Bubba Wallace Jr. Right, so earlier today, for those who are not in on the inside joke, uh, 
Ed and I were in a meeting, and Ed goes, there's a guy on the entry list that DraftKings <laughs> doesn't have in the race. And I say, what's his name? And he goes, his, name is, his last name is Wallace. Is that a William. new one? And I'm like, no, it's just William Wallace Jr. Who the right. hell is William Wallace Jr.? <laughs> so if you're unaware, Bubba Wallace is not his actual given name. It was a nickname given <laughs> That's by too bad. I like Bubba. sister. It was a nickname given by his sister on the day he was born, <laughs> and it stuck. But yes, it was quite hilarious. He's like, oh my god, there's a new driver in the last race of the season. I'm like, no. That's Bubba Wallace. That's his given name. He's probably cheap as hell, William Darrell. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Bubba Wallace and Ryan Priest, two guys that are, I don't know, I'm again more intrigued by Bubba Wallace than I am by Ryan Priest, but the price tag is a lot better for Priest than it is for Bubba Wallace. Um but the history is better for Bubba Wallace than it is for Priest. So that would explain the price tag difference. That's about all I got to say about that, row. Ed, what do you got? Well, this season, William Darrell Bubba Wallace Jr. has retired. He is done. Um, I've said this a few weeks back, and I'm still going to say it now. You think he, he's checked out because he's moving to the 23 next year? Come on. You got Jordan coming. You got high price tags. You got he doesn't. Yeah. Okay, look at the eye test for the last couple. He hasn't done a thing. You think he's he, got photo shoots scheduled yeah, in, front yeah, of, yeah. in front of uh, 23XI? Yeah. Hold on. White warehouse by himself. Like, he doesn't care. Don't you think? Don't you guys think that 23andMe is a really good sponsor for that car? That would be a great spot. That would be a great sponsor. Maybe you should be hired by 23XI <laughs> Racing. And they for can those find out oh, that's Roman numerals. 2% Indian or something and be like, woo, yeah. All right, we'll move on to the next row. I feel like this is the last row where we're kind of entertaining yep. drivers. In the, all right, so it's William Byron, 8,400, Jimmy Johnson, 9,300. Oh. Both guys have plenty of top 10 upside here. Jimmy Johnson has a little more, I guess, propensity to move up. William Byron, uh, I have the worst read on this guy. I'm not afraid to admit You do. It. You play him on the worst weeks possible. I, I play him on the worst weeks possible. I fade him on his best weeks. I, I can't get a, re- get a read on William Byron. Um, I seem to play Jimmy Johnson at least in two lineups every week, and it never works out for me. Well, I, don't care that dance, it, so. I don't care that it's his last race. I feel like <laughs> he's just moved on to next season and, and racing in IndyCar and, and whatever. This isn't necessarily a row that excites me, but I do feel like I need to get a little bit exposure to William Byron. So William Byron has four top 15 finishes in the last five races this season. So he's been, he's been pretty solid down the stretch, even though it hasn't necessarily mattered uh, for him because he's one of the two Hendrick cars that are now out of, well, before this race, we're out of the, the, uh, Playoffs. So this starting spot's pretty nice for him. 25th. Typically, he doesn't really move up, but his average finish is 15th. That's because he's starting about there when they qualify. So, you know, he's got about 10 spots of PD upside here uh, on Sunday, which is pretty nice. I am, for sentimental reasons, going to play Jimmy Johnson uh, on Sunday. Favorite driver of all time. Last time he's in the 48 car. They've had some pretty nice... uh, videos out there on Twitter for him from Hendrick and some and NASCAR uh, with his former teammates talking about what he meant to him and whatever. But he's also got a really good history here with four top 15 finishes in the last four races. Average finish at 12.3, moves up about seven spots a race. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, you know, is the price a bit higher than I want to see? Sure, but he started 21st in February and finished 12th, hit 41 points. That's just about value. You're going to need him to do a little bit more than that, but not really much because he's starting five spots further back. So I will be playing Jimmy Johnson. Um, I understand the price tag. I get he hasn't been all that great recently, but I will play him one more time. Not saying cash game build, I'm saying GPPs for him because he has had a propensity to not finish races this year. So, all right, Ed, what's your read on this row? I mean, I'm really liking Byron. I know six degrees of Ryan Blaney and all that stuff, <laughs> but really the the <laughs> the position he is and and the price he is, especially well, not on you know Vandal, obviously. Yeah, ten two on Vandal's yeah. a bit high. Yeah, <laughs> they are high. Um, William Byron, eighty four hundred on D on DK, which kind of gives you at, at eighty four hundred a possible top ten finish. I mean, fifty percent of his last four races, two of the four, he's been in the top ten. So at, at eighty four hundred, especially in GPP, you got to pull that trigger. That's for sure. Maybe even cash games on that. But uh, Jimmy Johnson, Swan Song, um, ninety three hundred on DK, ten five. I think. They're pulling one on you there, uh, Matt. They're raising the prices up on purpose because they know a lot of people are going to play him because it's his last race, and a lot of people love him. Um, ah, maybe one of ten lineups in GPP I may have him in, but I'm going to have more of William Byron for sure. Yeah, I mean, he is $300 more. Jimmy Johnson is $300 more expensive on DK than he was in February, but that's not like a massive... Increase. I mean, to give you an idea, Bubba Wallace is a thousand dollars more. Tyler Reddick is twelve hundred dollars more. Christopher Bell is eight hundred dollars more, without really showing anything. Yeah, he's. Um, and one last thing on Byron, he started seventeenth in February and finished tenth uh, in that race earlier this year. Um, so you know he he had the setup pretty well dialed in earlier this year. There's not many more guys behind that than I'm all that intrigued about. Maybe some Chris Buescher. Um, he's probably the last intriguing guy for me. Um, starting pretty pretty far back there. He's got four top 20 finishes in the last four races here. And he's starting 31st. Uh, the guy's got an average finish of 16.8. So that's intriguing. Um, hasn't always looked the best down the stretch here. Um, you know, he's only got a, a smattering of top 20 finishes in the last five races. So he's kind of more of a GPP hope that he can produce a top 20 and not get caught. Because uh, this is a track where you can actually lap guys um, at a at an okay clip. It's not like a short track, but you can you can lap guys at a at a decent um, clip if you have the car set up the right way. So. That would end the player pool for me. Uh, no interest in the cheaper drivers. The I, go ahead. I have one. I <clears throat> like Daniel Suarez. Joy. Daniel what? Suarez. I like Daniel Suarez this week. Five thousand FanDuel, fifty-six DraftKings. Um, if you're going GPP, you need a cheap driver. I mean, look where he's starting, and his average finish is what twenty-three here in the last four. Uh, he only needs to get like. Keep in mind that was in substantially better equipment. Yeah, but he's he's a good racer. I mean, that was in the that was in the night in the 
what the 19 of JG was this one of those races earlier in the year where Suarez couldn't even get off the start line to compete? <laughs> you see I, where, yeah, what did Suarez <laughs> do in February? I'll, Racing reference, it's started okay. 31st. Hold on, hold on. He started 31st, he finished 21st. Boom, in this race in February, in this car. Boom, and had to qualify for that one because. Boom. They actually ran qualified. Boom. Suarez GPP play. Am I wrong? I'll, I'll grant you that one. I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you. But that's that, about I it. mean, if I had to choose, <laughs> I mean, LaJoy, maybe only because I always play LaJoy and always get screwed in the butt by him. No, <laughs> no I'm not saying anything bad about the. Oh, wow. Okay. But Suarez, <laughs> I think, would be the one. <laughs> you officially got off the rails. So much editing. So much editing. <laughs> Suarez, I think, would be the uh, the low key under six thousand play uh, I like the most in this race. All right. All right. Well, we've concluded another year, Matt. We've been doing this two years now. Uh, any last words other than you know, thank thank you to the FA Nation. I know this was a really weird year. Uh, yeah, I, know I covered eye had... racing. I covered yeah. virtual <laughs> <racing>. <laughs> I, I, iRacing. We, we did podcasts for iRacing, and where literally Jeff Gordon got stuck in the fence on one of the races. <laughs> Clint Boyer uh, was literally drinking while driving on the broadcast. Like <laughs> that, that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is a this is a weird year, but if you stuck by us, because we we know that, especially in this in the fall, like other other sports pop up, especially NFL. So if you if you've stuck with us through the whole thing and, and you played NASCAR DFS, you know, thank you so much. Uh, we will be back next year. We'll have new tools next year. Uh, Ed Ed will be back for a couple podcasts next year. Wait, you guys are allowing me back next year? Oh, it's gonna be more than a couple. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh no, FA Nation, watch out! A lot uh, of uh, Ricky Stenhouse hate is on the way. Yeah, so we're gonna we'll have new tools. We'll have some new coverage for you. Um, you know, some expanded stuff. Some things are going to change around, obviously, because the cup schedule, in case you missed it in a barrage of news, 28 of 36 races next year will not have practice or qualifying. Yeah, that sucks. So, uh, a lot of road races next year, though. The eight races that will have practice and qualifying will be the Daytona 500, which is hilarious because practice doesn't matter for that one. Uh, Coke 600, the championship race is back at Phoenix next year. Um, and then all of the new, all of the new tracks. So, uh, Bristol dirt race, Ooh. um, and then the, the road, the road course, Nashville, uh, Indy road, anything to get Dakota. Chase Elliott to win, baby. <laughs> well, okay. But you've got some Xfinity guys who are coming up. who are pretty dang good road racers too. Briscoe. Uh, and by the way, I'm really curious to see exactly how much money, Kyle Larson is on oh, dirt yeah. at Bristol. Oh goodness! Is DraftKings oh, gonna make him like forty thousand dollars? <laughs> Just <yeah. laughs> oh my god! <laughs> is that what's gonna happen? It's gonna be fun to watch. That's for sure. It'll be so, interesting. Yeah, week. thanks for sticking with us, guys. We'll be back in like literally less than three months. Um, shortest off season of any major sport in the u.s so until next time we best will... of luck to you in yep. the fa nation love you fa nation thank you